It's the Breaking Atoms podcast where we break things down to the very last compound. My name is Summit, a.k.a. the failed homo sapien. And my name is Chris Mitchell, a.k.a. British Intelligence. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. Right, so for, for the listeners, welcome. Appreciate you, love, and respect always. Wagwan, wagwan, wagwan. Chris, Chris absolutely just on the spot, freestyled off the top of the dome, his a.k.a. there. Um, and when, you, when you'll understand why when you listen to this episode with Force Disciple, it will all make sense once you hear this episode with Force Disciple. Um, very important that we we speak to those behind the scenes, behind the boards, but also on the boards. So Force Disciple, that like I said in the interview, has been a big part of the sound of of our childhood. Um, so it was it was really cool to have him on and, and talk through memories and processes and. Um, and also advice too, mm, you know, mm. now I know what an eyeball is. Um, <laughs> and now I know I don't ever going to get that. Cause you yeah, know, you don't me, need that. You don't need me. That. I might just do it. Right. I don't know. It's, it's Amazon. They're telling me to buy this. I don't know, but you know, that, that's why you need people who were there. And it's really interesting to hear about how he's, you know, the processes change, the user interfaces, intuitiveness, mm. all of that. Mm. Um, and you can really see like, like we talked about how he has a passion for sound. Yeah, um, bruv, he was talking about resonance and yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs to have a conversation with, with, with certain people. Definitely. No, no definitely, definitely. Could you imagine you, him and yeah. DJ Quick talking about sound? Bruv. Yeah. That's the thing I respect about those who come from an engineering background. Mm-hmm. They, they are different level. And, you know, you could be an engineered producer, DJ, you could be all those things, but there's a certain level of... You have to understand taking so much, but also understand how sound works. It isn't just hearing, it's the waves, the frequency, um, the mids, all of those things are so important. So They understand the the science of sound. It's a science. Yes, indeed, indeed. And and they've they've, um, they've fully, fully invested themselves in it. People like Fourth Disciple, DJ Quick, um, who else? Who, Who loves sound? Just engineers in general, man. Sure. Yeah, Bob Power, all them, all yes, them, man. All them yes. man. Eddie Sancho, you man know. Bob Power and that. Yeah, man. Bob these, Power these are, and that. The legends and that. The legends, isn't it? The and Tom Poshansky. Yeah, Tony Maserati, you know. Yeah, Kevin, um, what's his name? Karen Walsh. Ke- Ke- oh, yes. Yeah, bro. Good one. Worked on jazz, right? Naughty Cotto. Bruv, are we running down mm. the list? Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's fine. Um, you also got off your, um, your son's a man. Woo elements questions as well, which mm. is good. Yeah, man. Brav. In the last month, I've asked about <laughs> Fourth Disciple and Goldfingers, you know. <laughs> Bro, I was going to get deep, you know. I was going to start asking him about man like, why Kim the ill figure? Wow. Yes, bruv. I was going in. I was going to go in. I was going to go nah, in. No, but I said, no, nah, pre- relax, relax. Isn't it? Yeah, Shanghai, re- Shanghai yes, the messenger and then man there, innit? <laughs> relax, relax, relax. <laughs> but, um, but no, peace to, to Fourth Disciple. Um, this is Fourth Disciple. Breaking Atoms podcast. Check it out. It's another special episode of the Breaking Atoms podcast. Today we have a legend, a sonic 
legend in the building, someone who's been part of our childhood and the sound of our childhood, which is why we're so incredibly excited to have him on the show. We are talking to none other than Fourth Disciple. How are you doing, Fourth? You all right? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. We really, we really appreciate you taking the time. The The thing about Breaking Atoms is we want to cover the whole ecosystem of hip hop. We just don't want to talk to rappers. We want to talk to engineers and producers and managers and A&Rs. And you know, Chris spoke to Scott Free on the podcast, which was a very insightful one. So we're trying to cover the, the ecosystem, the whole breadth of hip hop. So we really, really appreciate your time today. Um, should we start with the album, the algorithm? Um, talk to us about putting that together, the guest appearances and the recording sessions and the process of recording that. Well, I mean, the algorithm was a struggle to put together. Actually, it was uh, the result of years of attempts to put a compilation LP together or to put a, you know, to put an album together. It went from, through different, many different phases before the end result was what you hear now. You know, the album order changed, the appearances changed, uh, the beats changed, everything changed. The album itself changed multiple times. So, you know, <laughs> the algorithm, you know, it was the album title changed multiple times. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, went through multiple layers of just morphing until it got to what it, you know, where, where, where it's at now. Right. And I, I see I see the rain, the rains behind you. DJing is being part of of your journey at the early beginning as well. How did how I'm always interested. I'm I'm not a, a DJ producer, you know. Um how has how did DJing help influence your production and your engineering here? Was there anything that kind of contributed to that, or yeah, was it just a natural that's, process that's of just learning? The DJing is kind of sparked the producing. Along with, you know, I grew up around music. You know, my father was a musician, my uncles, you know, so I used to watch, you know, I grew up watching them jam, you know, in my grandma's basement, they, you know, jamming, practicing, just jamming, coming up with their own stuff constantly, you know, but they weren't recording it. They were just having fun, just, you know, but then later it turned into recording, you know, so my father, you know, the DJ and, you know, definitely was that, that, I was a break dancer in the beginning, you know, in early stages of hip hop, but I was always into music because of my father and my mother as well. You know, she wasn't a musician, but the music she would play in the house. And my mother is the one who, and she's responsible for introducing me to hip hop. Yeah. She bought my first two records was, uh, she brought home for me as a gift was the message and waterbed calf all night. That's a good start. Yeah. yeah. That's a good start. That is a good start. And look, look where it's gone to. Look what it's gone no. to. That's crazy. Yeah. So that was my introduction to hip hop right there. Those two records. Amazing. Amazing. Chris. Okay. So from a DJ to, to, to producing, like talk about your, your production setup, your, your tools of the trade and, you know, like what inspires you in terms of making a beat? Is it feeling or do you have a, a, a a particular process can you talk us through that uh, it's definitely feeling it's a little bit of both it's a little bit of both uh my processes have changed over the years due to technology of course but i still use old school methods with new technology you know so, so the things i used to do in the analog world i still do them in the digital world 
You know, I still I try to emulate, I try to imitate the analog world and the digital world. They just use the advantages of the digital world, you know, the things we didn't have, you know, <laughs> you know, so that's the plus with the digital. But the workflows definitely change. Like uh I no longer make a beat, I, I make beats in reason. So I'm in a, I'm in a doll now. So when I changed to the doll, that was a tremendous change of workflow because you know I was used to you know when you're on an MPC or your keyboard or your ASR or whatever it is everything is right here your buttons your screen you know everything is right here in your face so now when it came to use the doll I had to use the computer keyboard the mouse the the the, the controller <laughs> The, the mm. looking up at the screen, looking down, looking up, the mouse, the controller, the keyboard. So it was like, ah, so I had to get used to that workflow. You know what I mean? Because it was like Medusa, like, I mean, octopus arms. Like, right, I, right. Like, yo, <laughs> I'm going crazy over here. What the? Oh, I got to look up at the screen and then I look down. down, down. <laughs> you know? So that's the little loop, the hurdle I had to, you know, overcome, you know, but, you know, it wasn't nothing, you know, got used to that. So, you know, and then how they, they, they start to make things more compliant, you know, now where, you know, the workflow, you know, they make, they're making the things more compatible for the user workflow now, I, you know, I feel like, you know, so it's got a little more smoother. Okay. So, you know, you've got the, the whole, the whole Wu Element production team and all the work you've done, but you were the very first of that, you know, even before it was called the Woo Elements, you know, I saw your name in the credits for 36 Chambers. Can you take us back to those early Wu-Tang days and some of those studio sessions and just some of the camaraderie and brotherhood that you experienced at that particular time? Mm. Oh, man, so much stuff. Some stuff, I, you know. <laughs> some stuff maybe not, maybe not for, uh, for public consumption for uh, podcast uh, material. It's hard to think of stuff like just come up with these types of off the head. Mm, that's okay. That's okay. Maybe we maybe we start here. Let's start with you hearing the early True Master demos oh. and those right. demos of of Ray yeah. and and those guys and how it shaped you, and then how that led on to the lineage. That sparked me. It's like when I used to hear those demos. I met the brothers before I even met them. Because this is before I met them. This is one beginning me meeting RZA. I'm in Ohio. Now RZA's in Ohio with me, you know, so he's bringing this stuff back. So I'm getting to hear these things. So, you know, when me and RZA first uh, met, he didn't know I did music at first. You know, our relationship was a spiritual relationship. It wasn't about none of that at, in the beginning. He didn't have, he had no idea that I did music. When he found out, it was like, oh, then the whole nother world opened up. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so when he, when he began to bring those and let me hear those, that opened up, that inspired me for one, you know, because I didn't know about a lot of, you know, com coming from where I come from, we didn't know about break beats. You know, in New York and all that, everybody knew about, you know, with, with the breaks, where, where these drums came from, where that drums, we just hearing the records and we're like, wow, where those drums come from? You know, only thing we we know is James Brown, pretty much. Funkadelic. 
You know, so that's the closest things we get. I'm getting to breaks. It's James Brown records. So, you know, all the other stuff, the ultimate breaks and all, I had no clue. I didn't even know what that was at the time. You know what I'm saying? So I learned that stuff from RZA. You know what I'm saying? I learned about the soul collection, like Stax records and things like that. You know, I had no clue about that type of, you know, sound. So he introduced me to that whole realm you know, of, of, of Sonics, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I don't think I answered your question though. But <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I'm not, I mean, if you want it, we can, we can go into it. Cause I'm also interested in highlighting the lineage that it, that is so paramount and is so prevalent in the Wu-Tang and extended family. You guys are very much, very big on giving um, your elders and those coming up a chance mm. And so that's why I bring up the True Master demos because through yourself and True Master then comes mathematics, right? right? And that lineage is important to right. show because that also is it's also a, a sign of leadership to go. We're passing this knowledge down, and this is something that at the heart of everything of at the heart of hip hop is mm-hmm. knowledge, and so that's why it's so important. So if we talk about the True Master demos in particular, were there any particular, were there any particular verses? Was it, was it Ray? Was it Ghost? Who was it that sprung out to you? What was it about? Was True Master himself, Ryan. Right. So, yeah. So I was going to say, so what was it about his demos that really brought out the, the sense of I could do this? The, uh, you know, it's like the samples, like, you know, I never heard those types of, like, this is the first time I've heard like the, the Isaac Hayes beat. The can I live like Jay Z did? The can I live? That look of love, yeah. yeah. He was rhyming on that. The same loop, I believe. Hove might have even took you know heard. I'm telling you, you know, (laughs) this is way. This is before that, you know. And it's Brooklyn, and you know, you know, it's it's in the mix. It's in the mix, man. You know, it's like that. So you know, this is the first time I'm hearing these type of loops and, and samples. So, you know, that just sparked the whole, you know, because, you know, before before I had met RZA, I was sampling a lot of funk, jazz. You know, I was kind of more on the, even while, you know, while I met RZA, I was still in my, because I, what I was doing, because in Ohio, we kind of took all the elements. We That's kind of a spot. The Midwest is kind of a spot. We analyze everything. And we bring it all together you, you know what i'm saying so that's why you have a lot of talented artists that come with with original sound that come from ohio because we know how to kind of collectivize look at the world you know see what they doing and do it our way but in a unique way you know so to speak you, you know what i'm saying so you know looking at uh like listening to those demos even like the raekwon demos uh Inspector Deck demos, the flows, the 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 beats, and so, some of them beats didn't, you know, they, them be, those beats still never made it. I, I guess the you know the, like the sample clearance they couldn't get sampled. Like Bring the Ruckus, that's not the original Bring the Ruckus beat. You know what I'm saying the original Bring the Ruckus beat is off the chain. You know what I'm saying, but the you know the remix was still good, but it was the other the original was more soulful. Okay. Still had the same drums and everything, but it, it was different samples and everything, and a whole completely different, whole different feel, like a blues, okay. like a blues soulful feel. It was a whole completely whole different feel. 
you know so yeah i was i was going through the um the liner notes for cuban links i know you were heavily involved in that project from a technical perspective um something stood out to me though and i've missed it for 25 years it said uh is lord from killer army was also kind of like an assistant engineer um what was that like and what, were, what like was it a mentorship thing you were doing or what how was he involved in the project Nah, it would be like more so like hit the record button <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, He's, he was he was learning on the job. Yeah, or change change the reel to reel. Change change and put that put that song up. You know, pull it. You know, stuff like that. Because we all had uh, adapted to learn how to kind of even the MCs people. You know, learn how to change the reels. You know, to to put this tape on and you know things like you know basic things like that. You know, pull a pull a. You know, some people might knew how to recall a mix. You know, after you put the tape on, because, you know, it was a big process back then with the analog, with the boards. It ain't like the dolls. You just everything is just recall, just load up the session and then it just everything just pop back up the same way you had it. You had to do all that manual back then for, for every song. You know, so you're on the big board, you put on put on the reel. You got to go every track. Set all the settings back. First, you had to, you know, you had to write it all down on the track sheet. You know what I'm saying? And then go to each channel. And, and if you had outboard gear, like other compressors, and sh- you know, inserted in, you had to go and do those too. So it was a whole process. But some brothers, you know, knew the basics. So if they was around, you know, hit the record button and, you, you know, you know, stuff like that. Okay. So it All gave right. Him credit. They gave him credit. You know what I'm saying? You know, I was there pretty much the same thing, like just assistant Rizzo. You know, doing the same thing. I might have recorded a couple, you know, uh, vocals, um, did a little bit of tweaking on the engine and, you know, on the engineer, on the Scarface scene. They couldn't get that right. They couldn't get it to pop out right, to blend right. I did. I, I assisted with that. Just little simple things that contributed, you know, and they gave me credit for it. Can I just interject and say that Scarface thing has, we're, we're doing um, a series on Reasonable Doubt. We spoke to Pain in the Ass, and obviously he does the he does the intro for Can't Let the Hustle and does it. He said that that particular part of criminology with the Scarface scene actually inspired him to start okay. doing the thing for mm-hmm. Can't Let the Hustle. Like it literally was like he used to rewind that back and forth all the time, over and over again, and try to perfect that. So it's really interesting that you mentioned that part because it really resonated with him. So that he that he started doing that, he started doing it to Jay. The can't look that and for can't look hustle and Jay started mumbling and went to the booth and started rhyming. So it's crazy the the influence and how sometimes how important the getting things like that so right on a record because for from an engineering point of view the sound of it, it can it can make and break a record. Right. It can make and break a record. Uh, the the mix yeah. the mastering can absolutely make or break that. So salute to yeah. you. Yeah, definitely. Um, so a few months later, my ears were graced with a song called Bible. Mm. Now um, as a as a Wu-Tang head, I think if there's a discussion, what's the best Wu affiliate track, even though it was on Liquid Swords, Bible is always in the discussion. Right. You, again, you know, you're one of, I think you were after True Master. You got a production credit on a Wu-Tang album. RZA wasn't really giving out production credits willy-nilly like that. What um what do you remember from the reception of, of Bible with the public? Because I know it was a demo at first. Yeah, it was a demo. But, you know, talk about, you know, the public hearing it and some of your favorite lyrics from the song? I thought Bible, honestly, would be a, a big hit. 
to be honest. You know, within the camp, it was it was big, you know, amongst us. It was a big song that, you know, kind of touched the hearts of, you know, the internal camp, you know what I'm saying? So I thought it would translate. Honestly, I thought it would translate bigger than what it did. But, uh, you know, I appreciate the reception that it did receive, you know, you know. Uh, and actually, the demo sounded better because it was it was more raw. You know, it was more, uh, you know, uh, when we lost the original version, which was the demo. Uh, we had to go back and re-record it. And I had to remake the beat. And in doing so, I added a lot of other bells and whistles, you know, drums on top of it. And it sounded more clean, you know, more uh, polished, you know what I'm saying? More professional sounding once I was done with it, you know what I mean? But the raw one, the raw version was a lot more. It was like, you know, it was that, you know how you catch that take and it's like, oh, that's the magic right there. So we mm. went back in. It's like he trying to recreate that, you know, but, yeah. you know, it still was good, but it wasn't like the the original. Do you remember why you lost the the, oh, the, the demo version? The flood. The, uh, it was a flood yeah, in Riz's house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I lost a lot in that flood, too, uh, as well. I lost over 200, 300, about at least 400 beats. I tell wow. people all the time, I think that flood... And the fire in Q-Tip Studio are two events that change the course of hip hop music history. Yeah, like I just I can't I can't imagine what was lost. We lost a lot. Me and RZA, we lost a lot, a lot. Beats, ADATs, you know, ADATs with songs already recorded, you know, things like that. Yeah, man, a lot of you know uh, DAT tapes, you know, the little small digital tape cassettes. Yeah. A lot of those just destroyed, you know, disc, the discs with the beats on it, the floppy disc. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the, like albums. Yeah, because I think, was it was it Method Man's album that was that was half done or, or done Dex at that time? Check the Dex album. Uh, probably everybody's stuff. You might have had just little remnants of stuff like left. That he was, and then he, you know, pieced things together, and and basically put the uh, Wu album, the thirties into the thirty six chambers together out of that, out of what he could salvage from that, you know. We we um we recently spoke to Capadonna, and he talked about the energy of you guys were just always creating, always creating, always creating all the time. Um, I missed that and I think too. There's something I missed to, that. Yeah, and I. Th- it's something to be said for that, I think. Um, but as but as a producer and engineer, how do you or how did you and how you continue to like manage the different styles and personalities of the clan and the extended family? H- how is that? Because because I I always thought I always think that from a from your point of view as producer engineer and someone behind the boards and and on the boards, you get like a real like it's like a lesson a degree in people pe- um, people management. You get to understand all different styles and personalities. How did you manage that? It could drive you crazy. If you, you know, if you, <laughs> you know, uh, some people just gravitate towards uh, others. Like certain people feel each other and certain people click more than others. 
You know what I mean? So, you know, I might, you know, uh, gravitate more to Jizza or me and Jizza might have, you know, it's, you know, it's so it's, I kind of, you know, I had experiences with everybody, you know, um, early on. Me and you got, I stayed with you got for a period of time. I stayed with Rizza and Ghost for a period of time. Uh, Me and Capadonna, we have bonded early and connected. Um, Me and Mathematics. I met Mathematics before the Woo Woo thing as well, when he was DJing for Jizza, when Jizza was on tour of Cold Chillin'. Yeah, so that's, I met Mathematics way back then. Like, you know what I'm saying? Maybe like, this might be like, maybe like 1990 or 89 or something like to that effect. You know, so I I'm, I knew Rizza since like 89, 88. Okay. Yes. So I guess the history of knowing the guys outside of awesome, also outside of the studio helps mathematics. I I interviewed mathematics years and years ago. And he told me that I think it it might've been risen and Jizza came or maybe risen divine came to him at his carpeting job to go, Hey, we need the logo done for the, for the, for for, for the Wu-Tang. And he was like, yeah, okay, cool. And he went and did it. That's just like that, that energy and just getting shit done is, is, is different. And and back then it was different different because we, we connected on, the mathematics and knowledge itself. You see what I'm saying? You know, on, on the the bond of Islam, you, you know what I'm saying? We we connected. So, you know, we lived by a certain morality, so to speak. You see what I'm saying? So it was the 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 the, the conjoining of the of the energies was more, you know, it, it wasn't that. It can get chaotic at times, you know what I mean? Dealing with certain energy, but it's just, I mean, you just learn to deal, deal with certain things. You know, deal with cer- certain people's personalities. How was how was the studio sessions for the ODB album? Oh, that was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. we was up all night. Like, basically, he lived in there. You know, he had his whole family in there, you know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, they turned the whole lounge into the bedroom. <laughs> Wow. wow! I had no idea. This I never is, this knew is that. crazy, but it it all makes sense, you know. It's ODB in it. Yeah. What the whole lounge was just like? Okay, cool. This is a this is a house. The now? Lounge had the couch bed, the pool out. So yeah, you had the fam- whole family, the children, you know, everything. That was that was the bedroom. So you couldn't even go. You're like you know what I mean? That, yeah. Sure, I had no. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, was up all night. Yeah, that was that was. That album was draining for me. Like in the early days, it was draining for me. I wasn't, cause I'm coming from Ohio, small town. I'm not used to moving around like that. You know, we up all night, uh, you know, hardly getting no rest. You know, uh, coming out of the, st- we go in the studios daylight when we coming out is the next day is daylight. You know, uh, then you gotta drive hours or, you know, t- the, half sleep trying to drive then sometimes i had to drive i don't know where i'm going because i'm not <laughs> you're not from you're not from there <laughs> yo this and is I'm crazy sleep, like uh we smoking all night drinking and oh man so it does make you appreciate though just the amount of work and effort 
you all put into you know producing the music for us because I think sometimes we get the music and we some people just don't know what goes into creating right. it and I'm not even just talking about studio time I'm talking about you know being away from your family long oh, drives and yeah. you know there's so much that goes into it, and that's and that's part of it even though ODB did move his family into the studio and that's the first time I've ever heard of that and that's a legendary story but it does it does make me appreciate what you guys gave us a lot more no. I've got a few things I need to bring up so I won't get into all of them. Heist of the Century, La the Dark Man. Um, your track, Love. You know, you did you did four songs on there. Love is a classic. Absolutely incredible. Maya Campbell hasn't done much singing since, but she did it on your track. Incredible. Right. Um, Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars, in my humble opinion, is the best Wu-Tang affiliated album ever. In my opinion. And you produced, you produced 14 and a half of the 16 songs, right? I say 14 and a half because you co-produced Warface. Right. What was it like recording for Killer Army? Can you bring us back to that time? Because like, I literally, I, I mean, I love that album. I just want to catch a vibe of what it was like. Because, you know, six, six men, different personalities, maybe egos involved. Definitely. Paint that picture Definitely for me. Definitely egos involved. <laughs> so that could be a lot of chaotic too, because the egos. You know, you know, uh, but through all of that, we, we we would make it work through all of the chaos. You know, we, we, we would make it work some kind of way. You know what I mean? But uh, in the beginning with Kill Army, it was a lot of training, you know, training because uh, a couple of the brothers weren't really MCs. They had just started becoming MCs right when we formed Killer Army, like when we formed Killer Army. So a lot of training was involved when we started working on, like uh, some of the songs from the first album were actually demos that we did, like It Seems It Never Fails. That was a demo. Um, there's a couple other songs that didn't make the album that, I, that were pretty dope that, you know, from demos that we redid over. But Seems It Never Fails is actually the demo. That, okay. that master where we had we just mastered the demo you know what i'm saying um damn this is there's another one too that's actually the oh uh shelter the demo that's yep. the demo that's one of my favorite songs from that's the project the demo. the demo okay yeah yeah so yeah we actually had writing sessions like i would make the beat they would come I get them the beat on tape or they would sit there and we would have, okay, this day we're going to write the verses. Everybody would sit there and write the verses for the, for the song and the whole structure, who going to come first, who going to come next, the, all of that. Then maybe the next day they come and come together and, and write the hook, put the, the hook together, whatever the chorus was going to be. So that's how, that's how the structure was in the beginning. You know, and then this is before, this is before, and that's another thing. I don't know if a lot of people know. The first album was, re Solid Weapons for Quiet Wars was redone. Okay, no, oh, hold on. We had over again. The whole thing? The whole album. We had to restructure. What, what, what is going on here? You, There was an album before Silent Weapons. Yeah. It was basically Silent Weapons, but we had to go in, uh, so we had a member that was in the group 
that got exiled from the group, but he was already on the album. We had just came from New York recording the album. So we had to go back in. And uh, after we came from New York recording the album, I got shot. I got oh, shot. Well, sorry I got to hear that. So, yeah, after we came, after I healed up and we came back to New York to re-record everything, we had to remove him from songs, take him out, uh, fill in blanks, like who going to go here or what we going to put here since we removed him. We had to restructure everything. So we ended up recording a couple few new songs in the process of that and, you know, things like that and taking some songs off, putting some songs on. So the structure of the album changed. The whole structure of the album changed. Do you still have these songs that didn't make the album? Mm, no. Oh, man. No. <laughs> Chris, oh, Chris, 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 Chris had a bag of money for Listen, you. Man, I was going to PayPal you immediately. I was going to PayPal you. I wish, man. I wish, for real. Lost a lot over the years, man. Lost a lot. A lot of material. Mm, no, we, we, we hear that. I mean, I think with great success and gain, there has to be sacrifice at some point. Even though I, I still wish you didn't lose your stuff. The whole thing that intrigued me about Killer Army was I really liked the whole... Wu-Tang Shaolin approach but it was mixed with the military type thing you know you guys even use full metal jacket on some of the skits whose idea was that that was kind of a collective thing because we wanted to we wanted to be, to be different we didn't want to incorporate all the, the kung fu things we, we wanted to do the skit thing but we wanted to do it our way you know what I'm saying so that's what we just you know tried we like you said we might have used a little bit a pinch bit of kung fu but camouflage ninjas and yeah stuff you know like what that. i'm saying but we uh we tried to just keep it military you know what i mean keep it on that vibe you know see uh on the first album probably was like you know a little bit of kung fu element but on the other few albums the, the next two albums it might have been none I, if i could recall i don't think there was is is any really you know what i mean yeah, that se- that second album, Dirty Weaponry, was um, that was warfare. Yeah, that was a serious <laughs> album. yeah, yeah. You know? That was a, that was a serious album. Yeah. Um, before I hand over to Summit, I've got this list of MCs that I think are extremely skilled, but for some reason didn't release a solo album. So Starang Wonder from Bootcamp Click is on that list, and Killer Sin. His talent level is insane. Talk to the um the potential and the skill level of Killer Sin as someone who's worked with him extensively. Oh, man. Killer Sin should be on his about third, fourth album by now. You know, you know, it ain't like he, he got the work ethic, you know, so it ain't, you know, it's nothing to send to put together an album. You know, like I say, he should be on his third, fourth album by now. His work ethic is definitely, uh, his craft is impeccable and his birthday. You know, once he get in there, he works. He get the job done and he works fast. There's no lagging. It's, you know, it's none, you know, it's boom, he get it done. So, you know, he could put together an album fast. So that's why I say he should be on his third, fourth album by now, man. Yeah. One of the best. One of the best. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, who was that other brother you was talking about from boot camp? Starang Wonder, um, OGC. 
I caramba, Staran, gun clapper number. One on the set, man, I cut you like lumber. Still play the back in my thunder gear. You, you, you know his voice because you were outside for it, even if his name doesn't ring a bell for you right now. You know, you know the voice. Right. If you listen to boot camp, you, you'll know who Starang Wonder is. He's, he's incredible. Him and, him and Killer Sin, I, 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 I hold in really high esteem. And as a music fan, Mm. It's one of those big what if moments for me, like oh, yeah. you know, what if that had ha- had happened, you know? So, um, mm. hence why I, I mentioned him. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I ain't know. Uh, I believe he was close to, you know, finishing up one, you know, before <laughs> life happened. Yep. But you know, uh, I hope the brother be at home soon, you know, so we can, you know, he can get back at it. Let's talk about um, heavy mental, Killer Priest, yourself, the chemistry between you guys, and, and working on that on that project. Well, it's pretty much like the same thing with uh, well, with this Killer Priest and the Sons of Man thing. It was more in depth because we was like, uh, it was a lot of a lot of building, you know, pulling the scriptures out. You know what I mean? Having all the scriptures out, Bible, Quran, apocrypha. You know, you named it the lessons, 120 lessons, everything, you know, we had, you know, and just going in, you know, uh, the energy was was like, well, for the heavy mental sessions, every session pretty much was the energy was it was organic because we was making the stuff right on the fly. You know, there wasn't no pre idea what we was going to do. When we went in the studio, we just went in there. I got on the machines. I I would go through some beats. If nothing, if there wasn't nothing that was, you know, grabbing anybody, I would make it right there from scratch. You know, so, yeah, while I'm making the beat, they writing, they writing while I'm making the beat. You know, so it was a push and pull, a given give and take that's the organic that's what i miss you mean because like we influence each other when it's like that you know it's like because while i'm making the beat in real time they're vibing off of me i'm hearing them on the sidelines or from him over here behind me saying little things i'm hearing how his flow bouncing that's inspiring me to do certain things you see what i'm saying so that organics you know, that's how the magic happened, you know, pretty much. That's how the magic happened. That's why a lot of music don't be, you know, because it's like, you know, email me that verse and I'm going to send you the beat. Shoot me it back. And then you'd be like, no, nah, I don't really like that, like that. Like, you know, then that causes problems. You know what I mean? Because now they think, oh, you, you, you trying to say it's whack. And no, it ain't that is whack. It ain't the right thing for the... Now, if you was here with me, you know, so it'll be easier to articulate that this, this to you. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and you wouldn't, have, yeah, you wouldn't yeah, have, yeah. have committed yourself to recording it and falling in love with how it sounds right. to have someone saying that, that might not be it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. I've been on both sides. Yeah. 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 So... Um, speaking of magic, Sean Price, you know, you guys work together and, and sadly not able to finish the project, but it must have been a joy working with, with such okay. a legend. Yeah. Yeah. I was excited to get back in 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 the in the in the lab with him, man. It's crazy because 
And unfortunately, like I had just spoke to him maybe a couple days before he passed away. I was about to go back because we were doing a project together. We were doing it together, you know, so that's what kind of sparked me to put the algorithm together as well. Because it was like, damn, what am I going to do? Like I said, I, I have been attempting to put together an album of this magnitude for some time, you know, but just kept. That's why you get the skit in the beginning. It failed many times before, you know. <laughs> right. Makes that's sense. Real. Makes sense. <laughs> that's right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, uh, that just put me back in the position like, damn, what am I going to do now? So, you know what? I... Let me just take this or what I got from let me just put let me put all this together and see what I could, you know, you know what I'm saying? So that's how I came with that. People who love music are really inspired by you. And you have many fans that are, you know, are considered legends in the game, but they're fans of yours. And one of those is Just Blaze, who has spoken openly about how much of a fan he is and how much you've inspired oh, yeah? him. And, and I think any Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think Killer Priest I think Killer Priest that. did a video. Killer Priest did a video a few years ago because he's worked with Just Blaze. And, um, you know, he said that Just Blaze mentioned to him that Fourth Disciple was one of the people, you know, who, who, who he has a lot of respect for. And of course, you know, when you listen to his production, you can hear the Wu-Tang influence. So um, he said that Just Blaze mentioned you by name. I saw the vi- I'll send you the video. I think I, I, I think he told me about that, but I don't know. I'll be one, you know, you want to hear stuff for yourself, you know. I, w- I would like to meet Just Blaze myself and we chop it up and... You know what I mean, and and build on. You know, I, mean? I, I think that I think I think he'd be I think he would be open to that. Just is a, a a very kind and open individual, and he's a very humble mm. guy. In in the years I've known him, he's been nothing but that, and so I think he he's also about flowers, and and he's never shy about giving props to those who yeah, have influenced him. Because you know, him, I so. admire his work as well. You know, it's he he inspired me. There was you know there was a the point where his work was inspiring me. You know, so, you know, I, I can give it up, to, you know, to where it's due. You know, to my thing is, you know, I see a lot of producers. They take it and they, they you know, they, you know, they run with the styles and, you know, yeah, hey, you know, because even though, like, you know, certain things people attribute to me and RZA, you know, like, uh, like, certain, like with the uh, sampling, with the voices, the speed up voices and things like that. I'm going to be honest. The first person I heard do something like that was Diamond D. It's about who popularizes things, I find. Right. But the thing is, the thing is, what people don't realize, that stuff was an accident. We didn't want that in really in the sample like that. that that's because it was in, like, we couldn't chop it off. If, we could, if there was a way we could have took that vocal out or something like that, a little clip at the end of the loop, we would have took it out, you know. Perfect, mis- <laughs> perfect mistake. That stuff was an accident because there wasn't no breaks in the song without the voice. So we just kept it in there. So that became a style. That wasn't something purposeful, purpose like you know, like that. It was experimenting. You were just trying to figure, and that's the beautiful thing about the the music that was made. You no, know, it's like the way you wanted the melody to go, and how the voice was laying over top. Like the, the cutoff point wasn't right. So you had to just let it fly. You had to let it, it might have been a little piece of it, like, eh, like or something like that. Like, I, you know, some things like, dum, dum, eh, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Ninth wonder, ninth wonder has the um, the eh a lot. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. it sounded dope though. You know what I'm saying? So that's yeah, why it became yeah. a style. It wasn't something purposely we was trying to do though. <laughs> you know, perfect mistakes. You know, it worked. Yeah, it, it worked. It worked. I think we're. I think we're gonna wrap up now. But um, you know, we, we're um. One of the things we do on the show is always about providing value for the listener and, and, and passing on the jewels. I know you're very passionate about sound design. A lot of aspiring engineers and sound designers listen to this show. What are some of, you know, some, some really basic tips you'd give to, you know, aspiring sound designers and engineers in terms of applying their trade and, and perfecting their craft? Try to record your stuff as good as possible coming in. That way you won't have to work hard in the mix process or you have to do less or little to no work at all. If you record it right coming in, you won't have to do no, hardly no work. And don't, you know, through the mix process, you won't have to apply too much processing. So when you record your signals correctly, no distortion, unless you want distortion. You know, don't clip your levels, you know, learn how to record your, your, your you know, at, a, at, a, at the balanced level. If your room is not treated in your mic room, don't use an eyeball. Okay, hold, hold that thought. You've said two things. So I'm in my studio right now. I do that because it's, it's not like yours. Um, I need to treat the room. And people telling me treat the room and I'm working on it. And someone told me to buy an eyeball. I need to know why I shouldn't buy one. Because it creates more problems. For someone who doesn't know about what uh, what treatment of a room is or an eyeball is, because I'm not, I'm not a musician by any by any trade, but for those who don't know, what is what are those two different things? The treatment just padding the room and, and make sure it's right and, and what's these what's the eyeball? Well the treatment, okay, the treatment treatment is the the paneling on the walls, the acoustic treatment. But it has to be, you have to have the right type of treatment. You can't just use that phone stuff that's, you know, they, they, they might, you know, you could just go into the guitar center or something like that and buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't want to use that. Um, because that, that, will, uh, that will absorb certain frequencies, but the bass and the low mids and the bass and all that, there's not ain't a chance in the hell is going going to do anything to help that wow and that's a, that's the a real important yeah. part especially for yeah. voice yeah like in the mids right. the low mids and the lows is important because that's where like i notice you, you you know like um like you get a lot of uh or when you, when you don't treat the, the the high frequencies you get the you get the the clap like that the reverberation like the clap like you see, I still need to do my ceiling. My ceiling is not done. I need to treat my. I have them, but just hasn't haven't done it. But um, before I put this up, it was terrible in here. Like it was like, like 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 I'm in a gym, like or something like you know what I mean. And not only is the how it's like the you hear like the uh sound like a muffled like the resonance. You can hear like a like a the resonance. Yeah, like the, it sound like electronic, like somebody bouncing a, a rubber ball, like that, like that, that type. 
that's the that's the the, the low mids and the mids like so that's the stuff like the thick you need the thick absorption you know for you know to absorb that type of stuff or the bass traps these things i got in the corner back here those are the bass traps those are just thick you know just you know and that that you know those are for the corners i have some in the corners in front of me too they're different they're the tri traps but the um that just gets gets you know helps you with your uh with the nodes like the resonances so now i don't know if you can i don't know how how good you can hear like if i clap and hear but if i go in the back of the room you can hear the resonance still like because i still need treatment in the back you see what i'm saying but up here when i clap see when i clap up here I, as i keep going back you start you start hearing like that bouncing ball effect i was telling you about because back there is still need is still some something that needs solving some problems back there you know uh now with the eyeball your mic goes up inside it's like a nerf ball with the guts dug out of it and your mic goes up inside of it and it is a hole in the front with a screen where you you know you, you talk you know you spit your you know got the popper stopper right built into it in front and you so what the problem with that is the space is too tight it's too small in there so when your voice is going your voice is bouncing around in there and it's creating resonances okay all it's right making your signal worse it's making your signal worse than what it was it's not absorbing it it's not absorbing the resonance now the resonance is just bouncing around in there because the the, the 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 material that is made out of is too dense so it's not absorbing so it's kind of like a wall in there and then your voice is just bouncing around and there's certain certain frequencies is being absorbed and some things is bouncing around. So and all that's going right back into the mic. So it creates a problem. You know what I'm saying? Now, when people send me vocals like that, I got to try to do my best to remove that noise from the resonance from the vocal before I can even start. EQing it or compressing it to try to make it, you know, I got to try to remove the problem, fix the problem first. So that's that's a headache. Okay, so I won't be buying an eyeball. Yeah, so they got to, um, if they make the eyeball bigger, it might be better. If they just make it bigger. I think there's a there's a business proposal in there for you, um, Fourth Disciple. You should contact them. I'm giving them a, I'm giving them an idea, free, free advice, right? <laughs> you gotta stop that now we gotta stop that right now but now we 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 sincerely appreciate you uh your your contributions your time your wisdom your insight um thank you for so for for everything really you are really part of our childhood mm. man and so this is a this is a massive thing for us like, you've given us so much and so you know thank you for everything and, and continue on and and spread that knowledge man we we, we sincerely I appreciate, appreciate you for reaching out and having me on the show for real I just want to show you this, man. This, you see this right here. You see this right here. I never had a physical copy of this. I had the digital, right, for about ten years. Mm -hmm. I found this two weeks ago online, or you found it in your stash. You found not in this, not in the stash, not in the stash. I had to, I had to go outside and get this. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a bro. It was an operation. I had to text someone say, "Yo, if I because the the record store." 
put the um when they buy records from people and they put it on the shelves, it's like a, a secondhand store. Mm. So they'll put up pictures with the stuff that's come in. And I saw them put up the picture of the sons of man. So I had to text someone. I say, listen, I know you're nearby. I need you to go in there and get this for me. I will PayPal you. And he, he got it and sent it in the post. It's an operation, bro. It's very serious out here. James Bond this shit, huh? Listen, man. <laughs> listen, I was, I was calling the shop. <laughs> I, I was calling the shop. I was like, listen, where's that sons of man? Where is it? It's classic, man. It's classic, bro. It's classic. I'm really big. Like, you know, my, gran- my grandma died a decade ago and, you know, some of my OGs are moving on and I'm just really concerned that some of their stories have gone untold no doubt. and they, they've died yeah. with them. So we really want to capture these stories. So when we're gone, when you and I are gone and when Summit's gone or whoever, people can come back to these episodes and use them as reference right. tools to say, well, this is what he said. This is what happened. So we're big on that. Sure. Big on that. We appreciate you, man. No. Love and respect Likewise. always. Peace to Fourth Disciple once again. That was a peace, nice peace, conversation, peace. man. That was, a, that, was, that was a good conversation, bro. He's good a very calm spirit. I like him. I like yeah, him. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I, want, I was... want a fourth disciple beat, bruv. <laughs> bruv, I, I will up. write something crazy about the um the archangels. Okay. I'll go in, bruv. Okay. Okay. You know, I don't doubt about, you. I'll talk about the archangels coming from the sky with with a uh, hundred swords I and I flaming horses. I, I, I don't know what that means, but it sounds Wu Tangish. I uh, I don't doubt that you are ill with the pen. So I why, try, man. I, I try, wouldn't man. expect anything otherwise, right? Why did ODB really have a full yard in the studio, bro? Yeah, that's crazy, man. But that's ODB though, and it's yeah, a bro, classic. He housed, he housed his family on, on on the record label's money, bro. Yeah, but that's that that my friend is. I think I think that's genius too. Yeah, it's genius too. People people think ODB was a dummy, bro. He wasn't. No, a dummy, he's man. not, man. He wasn't that's a dummy, he, bro. The, the the misconception is that he's just like this. He's out there, eccentric, all that, right? He may have been those things. I, I never met him, but what I do know is he was genius, man. Genius. My um, you know, my friend Neil, my fellow Wu Tang head. Yeah. He went to he went to America like maybe twenty five years ago, Bruv, Imagine he went to America. He came back. He goes, "Raw, bruv, I saw ODB, bruv. I said, wow. "Yeah." He goes, "Yeah." I see him in New York. I said, "ODB." <laughs> And he said, he said, he said, ODB just looked at him and screwed him, bruv. <laughs> he said, even like, bruv, 25 years later, ODB still hasn't like, he hasn't, hasn't recognised him, bruv. He just looked at him and screwed him, bruv. But you see, the thing about, you know, we talk about authentic self and be who you want to be. That was ODB, man. He was, yeah, he, man. was who, he was, Dirt McGregor was who he was, man. That's yeah, it. Yeah. He yeah, was who yeah, he was. Yeah. So we lord that and, and, you know, he gave us so much in it. And all, yeah. all the guys did, man. All the guys did. Yeah. Fourth I'm, Disciple, I'm, man, I, I went through his whole discography yesterday. Yeah, it's a lot, man. I went through it's all of it. Bruv, it's, it's the stuff he did. Like, I know we're talking about his old stuff, but even the stuff he's doing for Vinnie Paz. And, right, and, right, um, right, right. Ari right, the Rugged Sean Man. Price. Yeah. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, no, it's, man. it's there. I, I hope more people call him. They need to call him. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think, and, and you know, it's um, it's good to see that our heroes um, get their, their flowers too. Yeah. You know? that's, yeah. That's the most important thing. We've got so. Fourth Disciple, man. Yeah, always, always. But you can follow us on social media at Break the Atoms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Break the Atoms. Chris's handle is at I Am Kinetic Minds at, at Hip Hop Chronicle. Until next week, peace. Peace.